Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the MLF Bass Fishing Podcast. Uh, on this one, it's just myself, Kyle Wood, and Mr. Michael Neal, the real deal. Uh, we got a lot to catch up on. Obviously, we're talking some Rayburn. Uh, we're going to talk kind of how he's been fishing. We're going to talk about him settling down in life and uh, maybe learn what the uh, champ likes to snack on and, and kill time on the road with. So, uh, got a lot to get to. I'm going to stop blabbering. We're going to jump right into uh, Mr. Michael Neal this week on the podcast. All right. Well, uh, you know, since the real deal Michael Neal just keeps crushing life, uh, we figured we'd have him back on the podcast. So, uh, Michael, thanks for uh, taking time out of your busy drive. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, Like you said, I'm on my way home from uh, Louisiana and Rayburn both, so excited to be home for a couple days anyway. (laughs) Well, I bet uh, it's one of the few little breaks uh, you have in this season uh, to actually get back home between tournaments. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a busy year, and there's going to be a, a lot of two- to four-week swings on the road where I don't even make it back home. So uh, every one of them that I can get, I'm going to go enjoy. <laughs> I believe it, man. Well, uh, I guess uh, we should probably dive right into uh, to your win at Rayburn in the pro circuit because, um, again, it was, it was another thing uh, that you had yet – to check off uh you know on your to-do list for professional bass fishing and uh i mean it was a a beautifully executed win if i may say so myself just in how you adjusted and how adapted through the tournament and uh i guess looking back on it has it has it kind of set in now that you're driving home and you know you probably got the trophy and the big check right next to you yeah i still got trophy and check both uh Tours where I started my career in 2012 as a professional fisherman. So coming back last year, winning Angler of the Year in the five fish format, that was really special. And then the, the start, I mean, that was uh, that brought back a lot of memories of a lot of tournaments that I've always fished and uh, fishing back home with the five fish. I love the Bass Pro Tour format. Don't get me wrong, it probably actually is my favorite. But just to come back and win in the five fish format really meant a lot to me. You know, um, speaking of five fish formats, and, and you know, at this point, we, we've kind of gone over how much success you've had, yet come so close to winning, if that makes sense, throughout your career. Is there an event that really kind of gets at you, gets under your skin, that you feel like you should have won that you didn't earlier in your career? Uh, both times at Pickwick. Um, oh sure! First time Greg Hackney won, and then the second time Buddy Gross won. Um, when Hackney won, I think I'm pretty sure it was June, and uh, he fished a lot of the tournament with his power poles down. So I mean, it was uh, he was fishing pretty shallow, not doing what you're quote unquote supposed to do on the Tennessee River that time of year. They should have been out deeper, and uh, that one kind of stung. And then when we went back, I came in second again uh, to Buddy. And he was doing another thing that you weren't supposed to do by throwing a, a, a hair jig in the eelgrass. So, I mean, both of those were uh, tournaments where I, I kind of separated uh, myself from the rest of the top ten, especially the second time. It was pretty much between me and Buddy on the final day. But yep. uh, just getting beat by those that not doing what you're supposed to do by the book. But a lot of times that is how those wins happen. Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, I think uh... – 
even to an extent, your win on Rayburn would kind of fall into that category uh, a little bit, uh, I would say. It wasn't crazy out of the way, but definitely you were a little more dialed on that uh, than the rest of the top ten was anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, what you would have thought either, uh, you know, trapping or fishing in the grass or cranking a big plug or, or throwing a Carolina rig. Sure. I mean, those would have yep. been uh, how that tournament was supposed to be won, and I started with a drop shot. Uh, you know, really finesse techniques, and then wound up going to a jerk bait. You know, looking looking back at, at that transition, uh, give me a little rundown on how you kind of got on to the program you ran in the tournament. Because, you know, a couple days of practice, and, you know, you've said before, your track record on Rayburn is, uh, you know, it's not like uh, you guys both embrace each other, the lake and, and you know, you when you, get, when you meet up for a tournament. So, um How'd you break down that big pond with two days of practice and, you know, that kind of crappy, cool weather we had? Uh, last year when we were there, I fished up uh, the fork of the dam, uh, the Ash River, that fork, Mill Creek, Buck Bay, all up in there. And uh, I really didn't – I thought I could catch some fish up there, but I, I really struggled during the tournament, and almost everybody that was up there struggled also. So I decided this time that I was going to eliminate that part of the lake and stay uh, mostly in the upper section of the main body there. And so I broke down that big lake. And But still, you're talking a hundred and roughly 20,000-acre lake, and you're not even taking half of it out of play. Right, so right. it was still just a, a huge area to fish. But um, the only way I could really get bites was fishing those deeper drains. I didn't go fish grass in practice. I knew there wasn't much. I knew the, the boats would be really ganged up on all the places that had it. So I wanted to avoid that. And uh, the only way I could get bit was finesse fishing out in those drains out in the deeper water, either a drop shot. I actually caught some on a on a uh, Demiki rig type bait uh, with a 3.8 ounce head. And that was the only way I could get bit. So going into the tournament, that was just what I thought I was going to do. You know, maybe scrape by, catch 12 pounds a day, maybe get out of there with a check, good points, and go to the house. <laughs> but uh, it had it a little different. Well, and and was it, you know, that weather, it kind of, um, it did get warmer, I guess, as the event went on. And, uh, you know, like those overnight lows weren't as cold. Um, and it sounded like you could see fish basically starting to transition away from that deeper stuff where you were catching them on day one, right? Like on your, on your sonar, on electronics, you could see fish either not there or be there for a little bit and, and move, right? Yeah, like early in the morning uh, on my active target, I could scan out there in that 20 to 25 foot of water and see a bunch of fish. But as the day went on, they left. Well, when they left, they either had two choices. They either went shallower or deeper. And uh, I mean, I would have thought typically when the sun gets higher, the fish are going to pull out deeper. But, uh, but this time they went shallower for whatever reason. I don't know if it's because the water was a little warmer or what was going on or if it was just time for them to start moving uh, up, making their yearly swim to the bank. But uh, they just started getting up on those little bit shallower places in the same area. So how long, because on on day two, uh, or I guess day three, um, you know, I watched you for a while in the morning fishing out in that deep stuff. uh, And I think you caught like a two-pounder, just kind of quick. But, I mean, that fish was kind of what you sat on till like noon or so right like i mean it it took you a while to pull the plug and start running looking shallower at least in those drains correct 
Yeah, I mean, I had 18 pounds on day one, so I felt like if I just caught a limit at 5, 14 inches, that it would have been enough to, to stay well inside the top 50 and get a check. So that was what my main focus was at that time. And, and again, you got to realize that I didn't know that the bigger fish were up on the sides. I thought they were all kind of the same, and, and I didn't know uh, until late in the day and day two that that was actually what had went on, that they had pushed shallower. So I didn't even have a limit till like 2 o'clock. <laughs> and then when the when I got a limit, I'm like, okay, I got to go do something different. I got to go fish some other places. So I ran a couple drains down to a rock pile I actually found on the first day, you know, just kind of fishing around uh, that was in the back of a drain about eight feet deep. And uh, I threw my jerk bait over the top of it, and I see like four or five fish come up after it. One of them is a four pounder that gets it. So at that point, I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can start doing this, fish a little bit shallower on these places, and see if I can't get a couple more bites. Ran around, did that some more, and, and wound up catching 15 pounds for the day and took over the lead. Oh, okay. So that was really the cue that starting the final day with, with zeroed weights, no one, you know, it's kind of a one-day shootout, biggest bag wins. You just had that vibe, like, man, I got I to gotta see what's going on shallow earlier in the day or on the sides of those drains anyway yeah i mean it was uh it was a decision that i i wasn't going to win that tournament on a spinning rod um that was just not an option anymore for sure and i, I just went out there and i think all i even had tied on was uh jerk rates and drop shot finesse rigs just in case i had to have them but going out the first day you know the first 10 minutes of fishing i hook a five to six pounder and it comes up and comes off so at that point, I'm thinking, okay, I know what I'm going to do now the rest of the day and hope I get five big ones in the boat. <laughs> and, I mean, it didn't it didn't take long to uh, get rocking and rolling because, uh, I mean, you put them in the boat quick. It, people watched live. People watched, uh, you know, day five is out now. Um, yeah, I mean, you were you were getting after it pretty quick. And, and uh, it that bite died really quickly, though, too, right? Like, you made the most of it, but you also – uh, after that, you still had to like kind of make the right moves and make the right calls because that particular uh, drain you started on, um, I mean, it was probably, what, 8.30 or so? And uh, you just weren't really seeing fish anymore up there on Active Target. No, they totally left. Uh, I, I don't know why they were there. I weighed one there the first day of the tournament, weighed one there the second day of the tournament, and then started there on the final day and i mean there was a ton of fish there and it was just like they all decided to catch a bus and go somewhere else <laughs> i idled around looking for them i uh, got way up on top of the flat looking for them and even went to the next drain over looking for them i still didn't find them but uh i really wasn't sure what happened but i knew at that point when i left there i had four that weighed 16 pounds so if I just caught, you know, another keeper, I'm in pretty decent shape. Probably not enough to win. I felt like it was going to take over 20. Um, but when I left there, my next bite was actually a five-pounder. would put me at 21 pounds. Which, uh, that particular spot, um, substantially shallower than a lot of the other stuff uh, you kind of fish leading up to that. And was that just something you'd found, uh, you know, from fishing Rayburn over the years? Or was that something, a little drain you found in practice? It was that was just a, a washed-in tree um, in the back of a drain. I idled that drain in practice uh, out deeper, 
and it was kind of a, a cut-through area that I wanted to make sure I knew how to run and wasn't going to hit anything. So I just idled all the way um, out the back of it over to the next drain and out and marked that. And on uh, the second day, or first or second day, I don't remember which one it was, but I went over there and uh, caught a couple of fish really quick off of it. They were just they were keepers, so that was my intention. Uh, and on the final day, was just go there and finish up living. <laughs> you pull up, you catch a five pounder. Um, I mean, it really that final day was almost one of those. Uh, you know, you hear it all the time, like when it's your time, it's your time. But golly, man, that final day on Rayburn it was like textbook, uh, in my opinion, for when it's your time, it's your time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of how this the past two seasons have gone. When when I make a decision, it's almost always the right one, and I can't really explain why um, or how that's happening. But I just hope it keeps rolling. <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure. Uh, another thing I was curious about, um, and again, this is something you and I have talked about, and you you said a bunch uh, already, but. You you mentioned that fishing a lot more, fishing the Bass Pro Tour, fishing the Pro Circuit, just getting on the water a lot more through the season has really kind of helped bring your game to where it's at now, right? That's part of the reason you know you think you won Angler of the Year, probably played into winning um, you know on St. Clair last year, Stage Seven of the BPT. Um, but has part of your ability to adapt and and change as the tournament goes on. Does some of that come from electronics and having forward-facing sonar like Active Target? Um, sometimes yes, but sometimes no. A uh, perfect example of no would be like at Murray last year. Um, I mean, I was skipping docks uh, with a wacky reef worm and catching spawners and uh, fry garters, and then I, I left, totally pulled the plug, went up the river where I had one bite in practice and wound up catching a lot of my tournament. Uh, white fish up there so i mean that that had nothing to do with active target it was you know fishing less than two feet of water the whole time but sure i mean this time yeah it had a lot to do with it being able to know that if i could see the fish i felt like i could catch them but i had to be able to find them and see them first so uh i mean the active target is definitely a great way to know that you're around fish and have confidence in in your area so probably more so it's just a uh a product of you know, years on the water and enough experience fishing at a high level that you maybe finally just realize that trusting your gut is uh, an okay thing to do? Would that be a, a simple way to put it? Yeah, I think that's more like it. And, I mean, a lot of times, like, I'd have this feeling halfway through a tournament day, man, I need to go do this or that or whatever. And then after the tournament's over, you wind up, seeing that that's how the guy leading or the guy won the tournament was doing what your gut told you but i didn't listen to it <laughs> sure <laughs> well um a- another thing i was curious you know on that note of listening to your gut like man that area you live in there in east tennessee i mean you got some hammers uh that live around there and uh you know has there been times over the years where you know maybe you're sitting at uh at the tackle shop or whatever and uh you know talking to Andy Morgan or talking to Strader, like have, have those guys, those good anglers that live around you at home. And maybe it's even, you know, local guys that aren't, aren't, you know, national names. Have people kind of been saying or giving you advice like, Hey man, you, 
you're you know you can make the right decisions. Trust your gut more. Trust your gut more. Uh, is that something that gets thrown around at home? Uh yeah. I mean sometimes, and especially like on on like Chickamauga and on the the current places, you've kind of got to be instinctive when when conditions change. Uh, whether it's water coming up, uh, water getting dirty, current turning on, current turning off. Uh, all those different things, you've got to be able to adapt on the fly on a day-to-day or even hour-to-hour basis. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that's uh, growing up in East Tennessee, you know, fishing the BFLs and, and fishing all the different types of, of bodies of water we have, I, I think all that's really factored into it. Okay. Yeah, I could I could get behind that. Um, you know, on, on that same note of, you know, just fishing a lot and staying in the groove, do you think because you you know you made the knockout round uh, down there in Louisiana uh, for stage one of the BPT on uh, Darbone? Is that how you say it? Jody and I were very confused. Yeah, we're not Cajun. Yeah, Darbone. Darbone. All right. Uh, but you know, do you think that momentum of just a probably winning a tournament? There's you know probably a bit of inherent uh, confidence and and uh, you know thinking I can catch fish uh, at your next tournament built in with it, but also just the fact you were on the water for a week leading up to that BPT event. Like, do you think that helped, um, you know, how you fished in that tournament? Yeah. Understanding kind of what the fish were doing. And I mean, Darbone's a, uh, a much shallower lake than say Rayburn was, but when you would go there, your automatic thing to want to go do is to go fish, cypress trees go flip go fish shallow water because that's where they ought to live but knowing how the fish at rayburn had positioned that they weren't even close to thinking about that that push for the the spawn and things like that i, I knew i had to focus on stuff that was either deeper steeper or uh, just somewhere where the fish had access to somewhat deeper water sure. and not get caught up in trying to go up in a, in a big cypress swamp or anything like that and i actually wound up catching um, all my fish in the in the Bass Pro Tour on a jerkbait with forward facing sonar as well. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a, uh, a learning um, thing at Rayburn. That was my, actually my first tur- tournament with Active Target. Uh, I'd run other forward facing sonar in the past. Um, so, still learning the Active Target, but so far I'm really loving it. Yeah, and you, you know, I asked you about it when we filmed day five. Um, like settings wise, you weren't you're not doing anything crazy with it either right like uh i think you had it you were we were looking 70 80 feet out something like that on rayburn uh have you played around with range more no i still haven't uh, 70 is just something i'm comfortable with that's that's a pretty long uh cast for a spinning rod if you're going to do that and then if you're throwing a jerk bait by the time you throw it out there and you get it actually down to the depth that it's going to achieve 70 feet a pretty long ways Sure, sure. Uh, now, when we go up north and start chasing smallmouth and things like that, I will adjust it and see if I can, you know, see on out there to, to 100 or something because it's still crystal clear 70. And as far as the rest of the settings, I, I think all I did was just turn the uh, the contrast up just a little bit, and everything okay. else was just plug and play. Well, uh, I know folks, uh, if they're listening to this and they're like, oh, man, I wonder what it looks like. Go ahead and watch day five. We got a very nice fish catch. Uh, compliments of Mr. Neal. Um, did a little screen record. It turned out great, by the way, Michael. I'm sure you haven't uh, watched day five because I think it came out when you were competing. But uh, 
you know, when you get home, when you get settled in, go ahead, watch it. And, uh, yeah, that recording looked awesome. <laughs> Super awesome. Yeah, I mean, it shows everybody just exactly. I mean, that's tried and true what it looks like, seeing one come after your bait, watching it hooked, watching the other fish chase it back to the boat. I mean, all that good stuff. So, no, uh, no fake outs there. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, going forward here, uh, just kind of starting to look ahead to the rest of the season, um, you know, we mentioned at the start of this that things are fixing to get pretty busy for you. And, um, you know, just on the on the vibe of both schedules for the Bass Pro Tour and the Pro Circuit uh, remaining this year, what do you think? Like, do you, do you have a pretty good vibe about how, uh, you know, how each lake's going to set up? Do you think you'll you'll jive with a lot of those? Do you have some concerns about a lake or two? Um, I mean, I, I, th- I like the schedule. Um, of course, I'm looking forward to the two Tennessee River ones. And, I mean, those will be – there will be fish to be caught offshore. But they're not going to be full-on, you know, summertime ledge tournaments. So, uh, <clears throat> that's going to be something that – those are two that I could either do really well or really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could like, I could see that. I mean <coughs> I had to get a drink there. Um I mean Harris Chain I'm looking forward to. I mean you've always got a <clears throat> got a shot at a big one down there and uh, I mean it's it, both schedules are really great. Uh, pro circuit and the Bass Pro Tour. Bass Pro Tour at home on Watts Bar or at least I get to stay at home. I, I haven't fished Watts Bar in like ten years, but <laughs> Anytime you get to sleep in your own bed, that's that's a pretty special tournament. And yep, yep. Tennessee River, like I said, those three are the ones I'm looking most forward to. What? Uh, just just out of curiosity, like I've uh, I guess, man, the last time I was on Watts Bar would have been shoot that last uh, the Chickamauga Super Tournament that uh, Cox won. Um, I think like Andy Morgan and Casey Ashley were locking up to Watts Bar and uh, catching some fish there. But uh, you know, maybe uh, what are you? What are the folks going to expect to see from Watts Bar? Because I know it's got some smallmouths. Uh, other than that, I don't really know a lot about it. Other than uh, you know, the random East Tennessee guy I've talked to that went out and fished it occasionally. Yeah, it's a it's a lot different than most of the Tennessee River. Um, I've never been to Wilson, but I've heard a lot about it and seen. TV shows and stuff there, and if I had to relate it to any other body of water, um, it would be Wilson. And it's a it's a lot rockier, it's a lot deeper, um, which I, I think that's why it's got so many more smallmouth in it. Oh. But in June, uh, the smallmouth you'll see a couple, I'm sure, but they're not going to be a big factor. But gotcha. you can see five smallmouth weighed in in the springtime. Okay. I mean, there's okay. and uh, you could actually keep five. On on uh, Watts Bar, where like Chickamauga, you can't Nickajack, you can't Donnersville. Um, so I mean, there's a really good population of them. But I, I mean, you're going to see some guys fishing shallow. You're going to see some guys fishing grass, and you're going to see a lot of guys out fishing offshore schools. Um, yeah, I feel like I mean June. I feel like that's how it got to be one. Uh, that's where most of the fish are going to be. But that lake can be really fickle. Um, it's a lot clearer and the average size of fish is probably not as good, but, uh, it actually got stocked with the, the Florida strain bass, 
uh, starting a few years ago, just like Chickamauga did. Oh, really? So it's got grass, it's got Florida strain, so I'm anxious to see how that lake turns out in the next several years. Oh, cool. Yeah, I didn't know about the uh, Florida strain. Again, not that I keep up on Watts Bar uh, knowledge, but uh, yeah, I'm intrigued now. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's a good fishery. It takes 20 pounds regularly to win tournaments. Um, I mean, a five-fish standard, 20 pounds anywhere that does that is uh, considered a good lake to me. So uh, I'm anxious to see how it goes. Yeah, heck yeah. And then, uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned the Pickwick Gunnersville uh, Pro Circuit tournaments. Uh, Pickwick, not to keep driving home, you know, your, your two worst uh, losses you feel like in your career, but uh, – Man, I really feel like even though we're earlier uh, this time on Pickwick, uh, gosh, I feel like I, I'm getting a Michael Neal redemption vibe. Like this is this is we'll it, see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's that's a, a funky time of year. April's uh, especially at home. That's the, a transition time basically for them. There's fish spawning. There's a few that are done. There's a lot still going, mm-hmm. and. I mean, it's uh, but it's the Tennessee River at the same time. There's always fish, 365 days a year, no matter what the conditions are, that are offshore. So those are the ones that I'll go try and focus on and see if I can't get that redemption. I like it. I like it. Well, there you go, folks. Real early uh, preliminary take for your fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> what about uh, what 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 do you think uh, the deal is going to be at Gunnersville? Because we're there. I guess it's like second week of May, right? I think is when that is. Yeah, it's uh, that's going to be the same deal. There, there will be, it'll be a mostly offshore deal. Uh, you'll see some guys flipping grass, uh, flipping bait grass, and still catching spawners, and uh, a few way out offshore. But um, I, I'm not sure how far most of them will be. Okay. Uh, with garners will have so much grass, I think it takes them a little bit longer to get out there than it does on a lot of places. Sure, sure. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, well, what else do I want to know about the season? We kind of – everything else you're feeling good. I feel like uh, you jive pretty well with smallmouths now, right? Like uh, you seem to be rocking and rolling there. So when we turn and go north uh, on both, uh, both tours, probably got a pretty good grasp on what's going on there, right? Yeah, I'm looking forward to Champlain. Um, last year, I pretty much strictly smallmouth fished in the Bass Pro Tour. Had a good finish there, and uh, that's what I plan on doing again this year. It's I wouldn't have never thought that I would go to Champlain and not largemouth fish, but <laughs> this year I've pretty well got my heart set on smallmouth, and it may it may bite me. They're going to bite you at some point because they're kind of like uh, they're very nomadic. They're here <laughs> today, gone tomorrow, yep. and wherever the bait goes, they're going with them, and they don't really hold on anything specific. So gonna go see how it goes but yeah i'm looking forward to getting back up there i mean it, it's not near as hot you catch a lot of fish and it's a lot of fun that uh i mean jody and i have talked about it on this podcast but champlain man in the last couple of years it's always had a really good smallmouth population but the size of the smallmouths in it uh like man they're growing and they're getting to where you know we've seen guys um you know polonic uh last year uh estes at the toyota series um you can win five fish tournaments with just smallmouths now and uh that's kind of a cool dynamic um especially i should say when outside of the spawn uh on just smallmouths now on champlain and that that's a cool unique thing and uh 
I, I don't know a single pro angler that's ever said they've not liked fishing on Champlain. So I'm not surprised to hear that come from your mouth. Yeah, no, that's that's one of the, the most favorite lakes I have anywhere in the country, for sure, just because it is so versatile and it's so full of fish. Now, um, you know, not that I want to uh, really pick too much into it, but you guys are also going to Mille Lacs uh, for the Bass Pro Tour. And uh, have you been there before? No, I, I've never been to Mille Lacs. So, oh, uh, it's I don't know how that'll go, but it's the fall again. So I'll be looking for you know one of those Bass Pro Tour at St. Clair type places where you can just absolutely blast them, uh, catch over 100 pounds. I I know there's a lot of big fish in there, as well as numbers. So I think that'll that'll be one where it's got some shots at breaking records again. Yeah, that one that one should be pretty fun. Uh, I'm I I might try to just come up to that one. Uh, just to poke around and watch, and uh, maybe worst case, we'll go slip over to some other smallmouth lakes that exist in the area and uh, catch us some bigs maybe after the tournament. Uh, yeah, I may have to go go do that. Uh, I've always heard about how great the fishing is in Minnesota, how many smaller lakes there are, and uh, like to go experience that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be a pretty uh, pretty good run for you when when we get things kicked back off, I guess. You get a couple days home, then you're going to head to Fork, uh, correct, for the Bass Pro Tour? Yeah, I'll be uh, coming back either Tuesday or Wednesday. So this is uh, Thursday, so I'll get about four days at home and then turn around and drive a solid day back. Now, uh, I should mention that you are uh, an engaged man, so any women listen to the podcast, you know, keep dreaming. He's, <laughs> he's taken. Uh, when is the wedding? May 29th. Uh, that's one of the few breaks I had without um, having to have it right in the in the heat of the summer. Now, do you have to do some wedding planning stuff? Like, you know, these next couple of days you're home. Do you got to do some uh, some planning for that? Or uh, what's your yeah, fiance's we gotta, name again? We got to finalize the. We got Sarah. Sarah. We got to finalize the uh, invitation list and a uh, few other things, but she's got most of it done, I believe. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I, I didn't do a whole lot uh, when it came time <laughs> to plan for our wedding. So I was just kind of curious, you know, how how engaged you were on that whole process. But we're, we're about the same, I guess is what I'm getting at. It's, I, I'm more of one of those, just show, tell me what time to show up <laughs> and uh, I'll be there. Exactly. I'm not very detail-oriented. You can tell by looking at my tackle that I'm not very detail-oriented. <laughs> Definitely, the you got... Brian thrift on one end of the spectrum, and then you go down towards the other end, and you'll find me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could, uh, I could agree with that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, you also have a, you got a, you got a tackle shop you're running. Uh, like, how much of that is hands on when you're back home? Uh, it used to be a lot more, but now, I mean, I, I really haven't had hardly any time um, to be doing it. I'll be there a little bit this week, but. Uh, I've got some great staff that uh, pretty much take care of all that stuff for me. Oh, nice. So it, it really is like, um, especially with the, the full tournament season, uh, you know, last year and this year, you don't have a lot of other things kind of weighing on your mind other than just going to catch fish. Right, yeah, and that, that's a big deal too. I mean, the more stuff you've got on your brain, if you can't be 100% focused on that day on the water, 
then, I mean, you're behind the eight ball already. So keeping a clear mind, uh, keeping a good positive attitude all day, that, those are both very important. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you think um, when – let's see, what do we got for a tournament after the wedding? I was going to say, what do we expect? Will we see a different Michael Neal? When James you're, River. Uh... Oh, yeah. Watch, oh. Bar, watch Bar is like – a week after that, and then the James Rivers right after that. So basically, you'll win Watts Bar. You'll probably come in second on the James because Cody Pike uh, will beat you. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, I mean, I, I don't, don't know. know. He seems to think you have a horseshoe buried uh, somewhere uh, in your boat, in your truck, maybe hidden inside you somewhere. Uh, and yeah, it's. Uh, I, if I was you, I wouldn't argue with you. Times, that's for sure. <laughs> no, whatever it is, I'm glad to have it, and I hope it sticks around. Like I said, <laughs> I mean, it's. Uh, he's a good roommate, though, and he'll definitely be one to watch James River. I mean, that's where he's grew up fishing all his life, and he knows all the ins and outs and how the how the tide works here and the tide works there. And and I, I don't know that. Like, even when I've gone to fish Potomac, I find an area too and, and hunker down and wait it out. But uh, yeah. that one that, that one would be a little different for me. Well, it, that Cody Pike, um, you know, traveling around with him. You guys traveled last year. Um, I guess before, um, I, maybe the question I want to ask is like, is having, you know, a buddy that you travel with and room with uh, beneficial? And you know, did you do that in years prior, or is this kind of a new thing for Michael Neal? Uh, I didn't stay with anybody really until uh, I started fishing the Bass Pro Tour, and then Andy Morgan and Russ Lane and myself started staying together. And then when uh, Cody qualified for the Pro Circuit, I told him I'd fish those with him and started rooting with him. But yeah, absolutely, it's uh, a lot better to to have somebody to stay with, uh, just that you can interact with. Now I oh, didn't sure. stay totally by myself. My dad traveled with me when I fished the FLW tour, so and that was he could practice with me and all right, that. So I wasn't right. totally by myself. But uh I mean yeah, it, being totally alone that would be uh very lonely and almost miserable. I wouldn't recommend that <laughs> to anybody. I'd recommend having, you know, one or two guys, uh if you start getting too far above two, then you you start worrying about parking issues and, and space and things like that. But yeah, having one or two guys to run around with, go eat with, you know, bounce ideas off of, those type of things, that's that's really important. Yeah, yeah. It seems like um, – yeah, I always try to bring it up with guys that I know, you know, travel with someone or two or uh, – and it definitely seems like you see a level of, oh, like increased performance to an extent. And I think a lot of people on the outside would look at it like, well, yeah, you're sharing spots. But I think you just said it perfectly there. That's not – really what it is it's more of that other stuff you don't got to worry about and you actually have someone to talk to because practicing all day long by yourself in a boat is um you know fine for like a couple hours but you get four months into the season of doing that that's a lot of time with uh michael neal and his thoughts <laughs> just hanging out yeah, in the boat <laughs> yeah i listen to, yeah i just listen to music i stick one airpod in uh, and just in one ear and, and listen to music, and then when it dies, I swap over to the other ear and let the other one charge back up. So <laughs> it, it gets uh, a little lonely out there on the water, but you just gotta gotta stay mentally tough through it and keep keep grinding. Uh, speaking of mentally tough, and this will kind of be, uh, I think, the last little bit we talked about here before we transition out. What uh, 
you know, Witt's spending a lot of time on the road. What's Michael Neal's favorite uh, road snack? Uh, I really don't eat much in as far as snacks. Uh, but I, I guess if I had to pick one, it'd be what I bought today. So I guess that would be my favorite, considering that was the only thing I bought, sweet and salty trail mix. Ooh, yeah, that's a go-to. That's a good one. That's a good choice. Yeah. Uh, what about like, uh, are you a beverage guy? Like I'm a big, I'm not really a snacker when I drive, but I like having assorted beverages, right? Like I might have, you know, some water, maybe a Gatorade zero, uh, like a, one of those sparkly, uh, flavored water, those ice water things, you know, like I like to have a variety of flavors going on. What about yourself? Yeah, I'm a Gatorade zero guy. Uh, the white one, whatever, I don't, it's black cherry flavored, whatever yeah, yeah, the name of good. it is. I don't know, but. I do. I drink one of those and or two, and then uh, keep a bottle of water in here too. Are you a coffee guy? No, I, I don't drink coffee. Like tournament mornings or practice mornings, um, I'll drink an energy drink of some kind. Um, but other than that, I don't drink coffee. I mean, I'll drink soft drinks and stuff. It's not like I try and stay away from caffeine or anything like that. But uh, no, no coffee for me. I saw a uh, Bang Energy in your boat. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bangs, so I'm trying. To, what I'm trying to do is tie us both into a Bang sponsorship. Um, yeah, absolutely. I could tell you that every day last year, every tournament I had a Bang before I started, and really? I did this year as well. Besides yesterday, I couldn't uh-huh. find one at the store. Okay, so first of all, you got to restock. You got to like order them from Amazon or pick them up at a gas station near you that, uh, yep. and come in loaded to the next tournament. So you don't have that issue, but yep. do you have a, a particular flavor that you're partial to? Or are you one of those guys that'll just grab whatever can, as long as it, uh, has caffeine? I haven't actually tried, but two of them, I think. And, uh, I've done the, the cotton candy is my go-to. Oh, sure. And sure. then the black cherry vanilla. If I can't get the cotton candy. Oh, I see. I haven't tried black cherry vanilla. Uh, I'm a big peach it's mango good. fan. Uh, but I, I like those yeah, kind of like seem tropical. A little fruity sometimes. I am okay. a little fruity, Michael. <laughs> that's. <laughs> but I mean, uh, the cotton candy one. I think uh, you're right. That's a that's a solid choice. Uh, the black what, cherry vanilla is actually what I had the morning I won on Rayburn. Though. So. Oh, see, I've never tried it. Now I got to go find it. Now I got to go. Yep. Uh, after this, I'm going to go on a hunt for one, make sure I got some at the Harris chain so I can, you know, take photos that are the equivalent if of winning a tournament. If you don't come find me, I might have an extra. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Well, uh, Michael, I think with that, I'm done. Uh, I've helped you kill some time on your drive. I appreciate you uh, talking to the folks, kind of giving an update on, on how things are going. And um, uh, we've done this before, but I guess before I let you go, maybe uh hit the folks up with uh where they can follow you on social media and uh you know if they're in the Dayton area if they need some tackle or i guess they can order online too can't they yeah we're still kind of redoing that it's been a long work in progress hopefully um by this summer we can have something fully up and and functional uh but yeah i mean Dayton boat dock and grill on facebook and instagram and then uh just michael neal on the page on on facebook and then instagram is at michael.neal underscore well uh michael i appreciate it congrats again man uh safe travels home i know you're you're closing in there 
enjoy a couple of days rest before you turn around and get rolling. And hopefully uh, later on the season, we have another excuse to get you back on the podcast. That sounds good. I hope you're right. (laughs) 